Welcome to the Daily Bite with your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Today we conclude the book of Ezra with the tenth and final chapter. While Ezra prayed and made confession, weeping and casting himself down before the house of God, a very great assembly of men, women, and children gathered to him out of Israel, for the people wept bitterly. And Shechaniah, the son of Jehiel, of the sons of Elam, addressed Ezra, We have broken faith with our God and have married foreign women from the peoples of the land. But even now, there is hope for Israel in spite of this. Therefore, let us make a covenant with our God to put away all these wives and their children according to the counsel of my Lord and of those who tremble at the commandment of our God. And let it be done according to the law. Arise, for it is your task, and we are with you. Be strong, and do it. Then Ezra arose, and made the leading priests and Levites and all Israel take an oath, that they would do as had been said. So they took the oath. Then Ezra withdrew from before the house of God, and went to the chamber of Jehohanan, the son of Eliashib, where he spent the night, neither eating bread nor drinking water, for he was mourning over the faithlessness of the exiles. And a proclamation was made throughout Judah and Jerusalem to all the returned exiles, that they should assemble at Jerusalem, and that if anyone did not come within three days by order of the officials and the elders, all his property should be forfeited, and he himself banned from the congregation of the exiles. Then all the men of Judah and Benjamin assembled at Jerusalem within, within the three days. It was the ninth month on the twentieth day of the month, and all the people sat in the open square before the house of God, trembling because of this matter, and because of the heavy rain. And Ezra the priest stood up and said to them, You have broken faith and married foreign women, and so increased the guilt of Israel. Now then, make confession to Yahweh, the God of your fathers, and do his will. Separate yourselves from the peoples of the land and from the foreign wives. Then all the assembly answered with a loud voice, It is so. We must do as you have said. But the people are many, and it is a time of heavy rain. We cannot stand in the open, nor is this a task for one day or for two for we have greatly transgressed in this matter. Let our officials stand for the whole assembly. Let all in our cities who have taken foreign wives come at appointed times, and with them the elders and judges of every city, until the fierce wrath of our God over this matter is turned away from us. Only Jonathan the son of Azahel and Jazeah the son of Tikva opposed this, and Meshulam and Shabbatai, the Levite, supported them. Then the returned exiles did so. Ezra the priest selected men, heads of fathers' houses, according to their fathers' houses, each of them designated by name. On the first day of the tenth month they sat down to examine the matter, and by the first day of the first month they had come to the end of all the men who had married foreign women. Now there were found some of the sons of the priest who had married foreign women, Messiah, Eliezer, Jerib, and Gedaliah, some of the sons of Jeshua, the son of Josadak, and his brothers. They pledged themselves to put away their wives and their guilt offering, 
was a ram of the flock for their guilt. Of the sons of Immer, Hanani and Zebediah. Of the sons of Harim, Messiah, Elijah, Shemaiah, Jehiel, and Uzziah. Of the sons of Pashur, Elioni, Messiah, Ishmael, Nethanael, Josabad, and Elisa. Of the Levites, Josabad, Shimei, Kaleah, that is, Kalita, Pethahiah, Judah, and Eliezer. Of the singers, Eliashib. Of the gatekeepers, Shalom, Telem, and Uri. And of Israel, of the sons of Parosh, Ramiah, Isaiah, Malkijah, Maijamim, Eliezer, Hashabiah, and Benaiah, of the sons of Elam, Mataniah, Zechariah, Jehiel, Abdi, Jeremoth, and Elijah, of the sons of Zatu, Elioni, Eliashib, Mataniah, Jeremoth, Zebad, and Aziza, of the sons of Babai, were Jehohanan, Hananiah, Zabai, and Athli. Of the sons of Bani were Meshulam, Malak, Adiah, Jashub, Sheol, and Jeremoth. Of the sons of Pehath Moab, Adna, Kalal, Benaiah, Messiah, Mataniah, Bezalel, Benui, and Manasseh. Of the sons of Harim, Eleazar, Ishijah, Malkijah, Shemaiah, Shimeon, Benjamin, Malak, and Shemariah, of the sons of Hashum, Matani, Matata, Zabad, Eliphalet, Jeremiah, Manasseh, and Shimei, of the sons of Bani, Madai, Amram, Uel, Benaiah, Badeah, Kaluhi, Veniah, Merimoth, Eliashib, Mataniah, Matanai, Jesu, of the sons of Benui, Shimei, Shalamiah, Nathan, Adea, Mach, Nadabai, Shashai, Sherai, Ezrael, Shalamiah, Shemariah, Shalom, Amariah, and Joseph, of the sons of Nebo, Jael, Mattathiah, Zabad, Zabina, Jedi, Joel, and Benaiah. All these had married foreign women, and some of the women had even borne children. This is the word of the Lord, and that probably sounds like a very strange way to end one of the history books of God's word, but that's what we have. So as we look at this text together today, what are we seeing? We are seeing the continued uh, moment of confession where this returned exiled people who have come back from their 70 years of exile in the land of Persia, Babylon, they have returned, they've rebuilt, took some time, took some convincing, but over the next couple of generations, they've rebuilt their community and now, as Ezra the priest is there, uh, uh, again, a couple generations later, what is he seeing? Well, the Israelite men have gone right back to some of the problems of old that created all the mess. They're right back to marrying women from other countries who worship other gods. 
And that is the big issue. That's the key. That's the central point to all of this is the, the false idols becoming a part of their culture. When you marry someone who is of another faith entirely of your than your own, who does not worship uh, the God of Israel in this case, or as we, we can think of it today in Christian terms, who, who does not believe in Jesus Christ and trust in him as their Lord and Savior, when you marry someone else, your household takes on those new pagan beliefs, whether it's um, Baal or the Asherah of the Old Testament, or if it's, you know, one of the Greek mythology, uh, mythological gods, or today, if it's atheism or Islam, whatever it might be, you are introducing these, these challenges to your faith that historically we have seen from one culture to another greatly end up challenging and oftentimes bringing about temptations that, that help destroy faith. And so that's God's concern here for his people. That's why the law of the Old Testament spoke the way that it did. It wasn't concerned about the temporary, about the things of this world and this life, which really in, in the perspective of eternity is, is incredibly short. But instead, God wants his people to remain his people and get to be with him forever. And so as we see and have seen the the falling away from God that Israel struggled with so much in the couple hundred years leading up to this, here they are flirting with that same temptation, that same risk, that same danger all over again. So Ezra confessing, uh, in that sense, as a priest, interceding, speaking to God on behalf of the people. He's weeping. He's thrown himself on the ground at the temple. And a great, a very great assembly of the Israelites gather and weep along with him. Not as great as the assembly we're going to read about down in verse 7. That's going to be even larger. But Shechaniah uh, leads the people in speaking the words of truth, making confession of specific sins that have been committed by the church. That we have broken faith. We've married foreign women. But it's a great line. Even now there is hope for Israel in spite of this. This is how it is for us today in the church. As we think of our sins, there is yet hope that even though I'm a sinner, even though even though I've betrayed God, I've rebelled against him, I've done the things he's told me not to do, there is hope yet for me. Thanks to the body and blood of Christ sacrificed on the cross that forgives my sins. And so there's a bit of an understanding of forgiveness here on behalf of Shechaniah and the people, which is good. And they declare that they will put away, they are going to end these false relationships. And it does sound harsh, doesn't it? To put away not just the wives, but also now the children. It does sound harsh to our ear. But again, the concern is over really life that never ends. And in terms of the general context of the, the fullness of the Old Testament, if, a, if an outsider wanted to become one of the people of God, they could do so. They could sojourn in Israel. They could come into the land. They could become a part of an Israelite household. They could do these things. 
But to do so, they were to take up God as their God and abandon the false gods that they had worshipped in their previous cultures that they came out of. And so that context in mind does make it seem like in this chapter, in chapter 10, what we're dealing with is not people, not women and children that have, have converted as they came into this situation, but rather maintain their false faiths. And so those things remain a present reality of danger to the people of God. Ezra makes them take an oath in verse 4, uh, after they declare that it is the priest's job. They encourage him to be strong and do what God gives him to do. It's good for people to support their, their pastors and their priests to do the word of the Lord. So that's good to see. It's a positive thing. Not always the easy thing. Often isn't the easy thing. But it was good for them to encourage Ezra in this way. Now they continue to mourn. Ezra mourns over this faithlessness that has been seen. And they call an assembly. And the assembly is mandatory to the point where if you don't come, the punishment in verse 8 is twofold. First, your inheritance is forfeited. Everything you lost, your land, everything that you have is lost. It's given up. It's taken over by the collective, um, the nation. Well, they're not really a nation. The, the elders of Israel for probably redistribution or perhaps even given away to no, I think that would count as redistribution. I was going to say given away to, to some who have come into the kingdom, uh, who have become a part of God's family at this point. Now, that's the first part. The inheritance is lost. The second part is you are cut off. You are removed. You're no longer a part of this people. So that shows just how important uh, the trust is in God and this family of God is in the Old Testament culture. Things do shift in the New Testament, so we can't read this one for one. It's not exactly the same picture with the church of the New Testament. And so thus us living today in the midst of a nation that has many different false gods uh, is a different way of life. So we don't want to make that a complete connection in this text. In verse 9, the people are afraid of God's wrath, perhaps his holiness there. They're also chilled because of the rainy season that they're in. And they have agreed to do what they've been told as they've confessed their sin. They, they are going to do the right thing. They're going to put, put this, uh, these faithless marriages aside. But they ask for it to be done in time. And there's reasons that they give. Uh, reasons such as the weather, uh, not good weather, not a good season of weather, uh, cold and rainy. And you've got the just the, the sheer volume of the number of people who have committed this sin, which if you count up the names, is um, the study Bible counted, said 111. I did not double check that. So you can if you like. I just took them at their word there. Now, they take from the first day of the 10th month to the first day of the first month. So it crosses over from the end of one year to the beginning of the next. It takes, you know, this isn't something they did in a week. This takes some time. 
When you get to the rest of this chapter, something to consider is all these names are listed out for you of everyone who committed this particular sin. How would you like to have your sin with your name recorded in God's word? That's a harsh, harsh punishment when you think of it that way. Um, we would hope that these men are our brothers in the Lord and that we will see them someday. But for them to have their sin forever written down for every generation of mankind to see afterward, that's intense and not something to, to be desired. We certainly don't want our sins to be remembered. But the flip side of that is, okay, so if, if we don't want our sins to be recorded in the Bible, if we don't want our name attached to the bad that we've done, where is your name written? This is an opportunity for you to talk about the book of life that we read about in scripture elsewhere and how God has promised life to you and to your children. Uh, this is a wonderful gift that we are thankful for. So again, difficult conversation here around this idea of, of marrying outside of the faith and something that could cause some struggles, but the, the, that focus on faith is the key. God wants to keep his people faithful, and they are just returning, just returning from, from a time of great faithlessness. And so they are, they're already falling back into those same old ways that they had done before. So that's the end of the book of Ezra. As things wrap up, the people are confessing sin. They're repenting. They're being forgiven. And the sacrifices are occurring. The temple is there. And they are God's people serving him.